0: Welcome to the AcuSprout podcast, where it's my mission to help new practitioners of Chinese medicine navigate from school to career. I'm Stacy. I'm an acupuncturist and herbalist, podcaster, coach, and creator of magical networks. Be sure to check out all four pillars of the podcast where I cover case studies to sharpen your clinical skills, Mindset Mondays to support your mental health, New practitioner interviews to prove that you are not alone and all things business from launching your practice to negotiating your pay if you choose to be an employee. This podcast is made possible by our sponsors. So if you would like to support the podcast, be sure to check out the sponsors page on the website to claim your special AccuSprout offers. When I first started my practice, I was actually kind of a disaster when it came to my books. I hired an accountant who actually laundered money from another client. So I went on a quest to find a bookkeeper who really tailors to and loves working with acupuncturists. And I found Sarah at Horizon West Bookkeeping and I'm feeling pretty fortunate. Sarah offers acupuncturists and the Accusprout community a couple different packages so that she can meet you where you are. If you're new to practice, she can come in and do what's called a QuickBooks startup package for you, where you get pretty deep discounts on QuickBooks for about four months. She sets up your chart of accounts, assists with linking your bank accounts, makes sure that all the transactions are imported, and then teaches you how to use it with two hours of one-on-one training. It's a killer deal. She also offers cleanup packages and catch-up packages. Not catch up packages, guys. Catch up packages. And a monthly package, which is what I use. And I find it quite affordable and so, so, so worth it because honestly, I never since the beginning have been able to keep up with my bookkeeping. You can schedule a free 15 minute consultation with Sarah to make sure that you guys are the right fit for each other. And you can do that at horizonwestbookkeeping.com forward slash AccuSprout or look for the link in the show notes. Today's episode is also sponsored by Jane, an all-in-one practice management software with helpful features to power your acupuncture practice. Jane offers flexible scheduling options that match the way you work. You have the option of offering one-on-one online sessions for initial consults, meeting in person, and scheduling staggered appointments to accommodate treating patients across different treatment rooms. Jane, how's you covered Keep the relaxation going with a seamless checkout experience using Jane's PCI-compliant payment solution, Jane Payments. You can collect patient credit cards securely through your intake form or at the time of booking with an online booking payment policy. This can also help reduce no-shows in your practice. It's a win-win. And Jane's unlimited SMS and email reminders can be sent automatically before each appointment as an extra layer of no-show protection. To learn more about how Jane's helpful features can help you power your acupuncture practice, head to jane.app to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their team, or if you're ready to get started, head on over to accusprout.com forward slash Jane. And remember to use the code accusprout1mo at the time of sign up to get a one-month grace period applied to your new account. Welcome to the AcuSprout Podcast, where it's my mission to create a supportive community for new practitioners of Chinese medicine, while I give you the information and inspiration to help you grow towards your vision of success in your first couple years of practice. This is Stacey Whitcomb, and I am your host. Hey, Yakki welcome back to the show. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about... Three ways to define your dream patient. And I'm also going to give you the three reasons why defining your dream patient will fill your books more quickly. One of the main pillars in creating the practice of your desires, one of the core teachings that I really want to share with new practitioners is that you actually get to choose what it is that you want to do. Just like anything in life, be intentional about. Your practice. Be intentional about where you want to go next. Be intentional about gosh all of it. Spend some time thinking about what your practice looks like. But today I really want to talk about finding your dream patients because I see so many acupuncturists just open a practice and they may get busy. Of course, eventually, no matter what you do, unless well, not no matter what, right? But Pretty much once you start your practice, if you keep plugging away at it, you're going to get busy. You're going to fill up. It may just take time. That's all. If you don't quit eventually get there. What I want to do is show you ways that you can get there more quickly, more efficiently, more fulfilling in your own heart and soul, more in alignment with who you are, and more in alignment with what you want in your practice. And you have to really be intentional and ask yourself the questions that you need to ask to get there and spend the time doing some inner work In order to set things up so that, well, basically, I've said this before too, so that your outer life reflects your inner life. So you need to get clear on you. Now, what I'm gonna take you through today is one of the facets that's gonna define your practice. When I say define your practice, what I actually mean is you get to choose your vision of success. Success can be a six figure acupuncture practice, but I find that kind of gross sometimes. I'm not going to lie. Of course, six figures, of course you would make that. Of course. But maybe you don't care about that. Maybe what you care about more is something else, some other vision of a success. Perhaps you have a family that you want to spend time with and you really only want to work two days a week. So you want to maximize that. That may not be a six-figure acupuncture practice, right? Don't get me wrong. Money's great. And I think some of you, most of us, any of us, could be worth more than six figures if that's what we want. So don't get me wrong. Money's a very powerful tool. I just really want my listeners to understand that stop before you start and really think about what your vision of success is and spend some time defining that. By defining who your dream patient is, it will help you get a bigger vision on what your dream and vision of success is in your practice. So stay true to your soul, have faith in your vision, and you can have any amount of figure practice that you want. But I want you to really, really, really mostly think about like who would you get so stoked to work with? who would it be that walked through your door and filled your practice? What if you went to work every day and you were like, oh my God, I can hardly believe that I get to work with this person. Who is your dream patient? Who would that be that walks through your door? That's the kind of alignment that you need to have so that you don't get burnt out, so that you don't end up hating your practice. This makes me like this kind of like, but makes me hope that some of the more some of the more quote seasoned practitioners listen to this podcast because this is a really good exercise for everybody perhaps re- reevaluating what you're doing what your vision is what your practice looks like so again in today's episode i'm going to cover the three ways to discover your dream patient and the three reasons why defining your dream patient will fill your books quickly so i I want to sort of do a little myth busting right now so that there isn't a wall up when I try to explain all of this because I can feel some of you thinking, "Wait, what? No, I I can't turn patients away. I can't I can't say that I only treat that. Think about how many people I won't be treating if I only treat that. I need money. I need to fill my practice, Stacy. I need I need everybody to know I can work with them. I can treat everybody. Well, yeah, of course, you're trained so generally that, of course, you can treat so many different things. And we did so many different things as interns. But I want you to think about this for a minute. So, say I'm putting on a women's intermediate mountain biking clinic. And so I put out an application process. Because I need to filter, because the people that I want in this group have to have a certain amount of fundamental skill set in order to be able to achieve what we're going to achieve in the workshop. So I send out an invitation to a very brief mini workshop prior to the start of it and invite people to come pass a basic skills test so that they can be be in the intermediate group workshop. Um, say this workshop is going to be for a couple weeks, a couple days. So we we really want to filter it out, and it's going to be expensive, or more. You know, we really want people to get their money's worth, and if their skill set isn't good enough, then they're really going to feel. So I have a basic skills test. I run everybody through. I create a list of people who passed, who can then come and join the group if they want to join the workshop. Now. Basically what I've done here is I have defined who I want to work with. I've created a filter system and the people who pass and come into this intermediate group first of all, are going to feel really excited. They know that I have something to teach them that is at their level. They're going to get what they're paying for. They see me as a bit of an expert, even if I'm just a little better than they are. I have something to share, to share and teach them. The people who didn't make it, maybe at some point they can work with me if they They know how, they know what my filter is, they know what I'm looking for, but they're just not quite a match yet. They may feel disappointed, but they're also going to know where to go to find what they need. Maybe there's going to be a beginner workshop. Maybe I can point them in the direction of somebody who teaches the beginner workshops so that they can get their skill set up. But Their time spent with me wouldn't have, if I had just let them in, wouldn't have been to their best interest financially, emotionally, physically. On so many levels, it just wouldn't have been a good scene for them or me because it would have slowed down my ability to teach this intermediate level. So you've got the separation and the filter there. So now we've eliminated people who don't belong in the group. And the people who do belong are super excited. They see where we're going. They see where I've been. They know what what racing I've done or whatever, what workshops I've taught. Or I've also evaluated their equipment. I've evaluated their ability to say, these are the filters. I've evaluated their ability to actually maintain equipment while we're on the trail. And so we're all excited about working together. And when we're excited about working together, I'm super amped and I'm excited and my energy's good and I don't have any roadblocks and I don't have anything that's going to slow me down. And I can be the best person that I can be because I am really excited about seeing this group of people start with a certain skill set and then get really much better quickly over two days. I know they're capable because I have put them through my filter. They're excited because they can see where they're going to go. They trust me because they see where I've been and what I'm capable of teaching. And it just works better. Now, say we get to the end of the workshop I can get referrals. I can ask them to write a testimonial based on their experience with me. I can build credibility that way. I can get do a referral-based service where they can share their experience with a friend and get 10% off. I can ask them to share on social media. I can do you see where I'm going with this? Like you you know how they communicate, you know that they're gonna get on their bike. And when somebody's riding with them and they're like, Whoa, you just did that jump, they'll be like, Yeah, Stacy taught me you should go to her workshop. Hello. And then you can give them cards to carry in their pocket, you can do so many things with your marketing if you do this. Now, if I had just had an open general mountain bike group and I'm just one person and I've got 25 people in that group, well, not even that, even if I have 10 in a wide open, open skills group, I'm not going to accomplish much. I'm going to feel frustrated. They're going to feel frustrated. The, the people who have greater skill set are going to feel like they didn't get their money's worth. Probably everybody's going to feel like they didn't get their money's worth because I didn't specify. I was too broad and open, and I couldn't really focus where I needed to focus. I had too many things going on. I had people who didn't know how to change a flat, and then I had people who were doing kickers, and I wasn't able to make sure that they were safe. So I hope that was a good explanation. It shows you how you choose your target market, why, how it's going to help your marketing, and how that situation is blissful, blissful for your own practice, because you're doing exactly what you want to do with the exact population that you want to do it with. And that word of mouth spreads like wildfire. So now I'm going to get to the business of explaining how to do this. So the first thing that you need to do is think about who you don't want to treat. You need to know who that is. Make that list first. In this case, it would have been like, I don't want to hang with the beginners. I don't want to explain to you how to clip in and clip out. I don't want to move that slowly. That is not my skill set. That is not where I'm most patient. I don't want to, if I'm doing, I treat patients and I love working with athletes. This is my own personal practice. I don't really want to work with the geriatric population. I love them, but that's not me. And I don't get fired up. But my dream patient is a cyclist, is an intense level cyclist who may be pro or semi-pro. And when they show up, I get super crazy happy. And that's just because that was my past and that was my experiences. And I'm very comfortable there. So you really need to think about... Who your dream patient is I remember in clinic oh I remember in clinic um, a patient adopted me <laughs> you know how that works I'm sure you've you you all had that happen in clinic and this patient basically honestly I know in retrospect was very much a teacher to me and pr- probably a very programmed soul level teacher she might've easily been diagnosed as borderline personality disorder by a Western medical practitioner. That might've been something that she would have aligned with. And basically she decided that she was going to only come see me, which fair enough. I think usually when we were interns, patients could do that. And, but she was, she was almost not quite, she was almost a Abusive, but she wasn't quite. She was very passive aggressive and she was very kind of mean and nasty. And Judgmental, and I could just every time she entered, I was like, "Oh, (laughs) this is so hard." And I was my it was my practice, obviously, to really um, become very neutral and be very loving and open and understand that this didn't have anything to do with me, but my mother was borderline personality disorder and or had, and so this triggered a lot of my own emotional stuff, and I I kind of knew this on a level. On some level, but it was, I mean, it was so bad. She would like, oh, she would be so just like complain about everything. Like how I had to alcohol swab her, made her mad and how the air was blowing in the room and how, just whatever it was was always kind of scary. <laughs> so, but then as soon as my supervisor would walk in, she would turn her personality, it would snap, change, and she would be lovely to him and just so sweet and so amazing. And I was just like, wow, wow, just like my mom. Anyway. I did a really good job in clinic of just staying very in a good space to treat this patient, but I definitely didn't want to treat this patient. I didn't ever want to treat any patients like this. I really struggle with that type of personality. It triggers all of my own crap. And at the end of the day on my commute home, I definitely in my own evaluation of how that, how those treatments went and how I felt about this patient, she became the marker of, oh, hell no in my own practice. And so I can use that as an example. While I have compassion and all of the love in the world for mental health struggles, this is one that I I just cannot do. And so she became a very good marker for me of like, that is my absolute hard stop on a patient. So when I think about what I absolutely don't want to work with, I can easily go there. So I hope that helps you figure out who your absolute stop is. It's easy if you maybe like set a timer for five to 10 minutes and just free write this kind of thing. I have a list of people like I, I am, I stay on time. I'm pretty regimented. So people who are slower, people who are super chatty, people, I love to chat when I'm right there, but then. We have to stop, you know. I like to stay on schedule. So, anyway, these are some traits that I don't really jive with in my clinic practice. So, you need to really list who it is that you don't want to work with. Who do you lose your passion for your practice with when they walk in the room? Who do you want to commiserate, you know, call another acupuncturist and commiserate about that just walk through your door? You know, you don't, you can create a practice where you don't treat those people. If you focus on what you do want, but before we know what we want, we have to know what we don't want. So a good five minutes of the characteristics that you don't want in your practice, the people that you don't jive with, the, what do they look like? What do they talk about? What, what perhaps it may even be case specific. What kind of cases do you not like define that first, And then the second thing that you want to do. So that was number one. And then you want to go and think about who energizes and inspires you. Think about like, oh my gosh, how expansive your life feels when you're performing optimally. In other words, like when you're doing something that you absolutely love, whether it's music or art or playing sports or and you're just in your groove and how amazing that feels, your practice can feel like that too. I think that we lose sight of that. And I think starting starting a practice Instead of starting with the fear of, oh my God, how am I going to get anybody in the door? I'm telling you right now, this is how you get people in the door. You line up with what lights you up. Did you ah, I'm going to say that again. If you want to fill your practice, you line up with people who light you up and you have to know who that is first. So let's define that now. So who energizes you? And that may sound funny because say people with anxiety energize you right that sounds a little co- counter but seriously maybe you've had anxiety issues in the past and now you want to treat anxiety so when somebody comes in and they said oh my gosh i struggle with anxiety and i have insomnia and you go oh yes i can't wait to treat this person this is going to be so exciting you know i i'm sure you're out there wanting to treat anxiety like this and it gets exciting for you so Think about those things. You know your own experiences. We really are our own patients, guys. If you think about what you want to treat, often it's very similar to who you are. It's very similar to your core. It's very similar. We are all, not all of us, but so many of us are, quote, wounded healers. So if you're trying to figure out who your target market is, look at yourself because you probably are your own target market. And it's probably because you've had some success in taking care of yourself and finding your way through that you really have a passion for for helping others. So one of the ways that you can figure out who your patient is, is to take a look at your own struggles and see what lights you up along that way. What about taking a look at what traits and characteristics of people light you up? I personally really love intense human beings. I really like super driven people. I really like the super achievers. And yup, These people are super liver cheese stagnation and, you know, they fall into, they typically, they can, or they're so depleted because they've wiped themselves out. Pretty easy for me. And those. that's what makes you eventually an expert in that is that you know their patterns. They're predictable. These patients become predictable over time and you get really quick and good at knowing what's coming, knowing where to take treatments and what to do. As I exit this, like you want to take a look at, you want to like boy, if you even want to meditate on this, like, what does it feel like when you're treating this person that you're so excited to treat with treat? What does it feel like? What does the room feel like? What does it feel like when that treatment goes so well and they show up at the desk, like afterwards, just beaming and excited. And then they go tell all the other people Like them. And those are your people. And then they start showing up. How amazing, how exciting. Like, what if you could walk into your practice and all of the people, all of your patients are like people that you're so stinking excited about treating. I totally nerd out on lower back pain totally nerd out on it. Totally nerd out on like very specific runner injuries. Totally nerd out on pelvic rotation in cyclists because they tend to only ride mountain bikes downhill in one position. I totally nerd out on these kinds of things and I get super nerdy excited about it. And I I honestly, when they're standing in front of me and they're checking out, I'm like, oh, so giddy to have them so excited to have them in front of me so excited because I know they're going to go talk about it so I also before I move on to number three I want you to list five reasons that you love working with them like why do you love working with them and I just said like I love working with athletes because they listen to me and I don't have to I don't feel like I have to manage their lifestyle necessarily. They already eat healthy, most of them. They already understand sleep. These are things like I don't have to repeat over and over and over and try and get someone to put the candy bar down. So I just don't have to do that side work with them as much. I don't have to do as much coaching, lifestyle coaching with them. And I I love that. And they listen to me because they're paying me to be the expert and they're paying me out of pocket because I don't take insurance. So they are financially invested. They are invested because they want to get back out there and play their sport and compete and ride their bike because that makes them so happy. To me, this is why I love working with my target, my dream patients. I want you to list five reasons why you love working with your dream patient. And I also really want you to, Evaluate, determine, because a lot of you are going to be like, "Oh, I want to work with so and so." Let's talk about this for a minute. Why do you want to? Why do you want to? Because I recently had a conversation with a new practitioner, and they were swinging the door wide open. They started talking about something like fertility or something, and or, or facial rejuvenation acupuncture, which is what I did when I first started. I went straight for facial rejuvenation acupuncture because they're cash pay, not because they light me up. They do not light me up. Facial rejuvenation does does not light me up. I think it's neat. I think it's pretty interesting. I like it. I do it to myself, but I I it does not light me up. Those patients, no, not for me. But I thought that that was what I needed to do to make money. So I want you to evaluate like exactly why you're choosing that. Because when I was talking to this new practitioner, she said, "Oh, I'm I'm looking at this. I'm thinking about this," and I was like, "Well, why?" Oh, because I think that, that's, that that will be a great way to get patients in. And I was like, no, 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 no. Who lights you up? Who did you love working with in clinic? Who did you? And she was like, oh, I loved working with older people. I absolutely loved working with my elderly population. And I was like, are you kidding me? Who Who specifies that? Like, do that. Be that person. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Do that. And she was so excited about this prospect. And I really didn't have a lot of time to talk to her about it, but hopefully she's listening and I will be able to give her some ways of going about designing your marketing and getting out there and getting yourself in front of that market, that that dream patient, so that they, they will fill your practice and you will be so inspired and excited to treat them. So number three, you have to have a filter. How are you going to sift through patients and decide whether or not you want them as a patient? A really good way to go about this is you've defined your, say it's, say it's the elderly population, you've defined them, and then you really need to have a filter of who you will and will not treat. Like list the top five qualities that your dream patient has to have in order for you to work with them. I'm going to say that again because that was really important. I want you to list the top five qualities that your dream patient has to have in order for you to work with them. And so for like an elderly person or an elderly population, it would be they have to have insurance, the insurance that will pay for your treatment, or they have to have the money to pay for it. And if that isn't your number one, then you're already in trouble. (laughs) We're going to have to have a money talk, a money podcast because being paid is one of your top priorities and you deserve to be paid by no matter what population you work with now i'm not saying that if you're working with um, a population that is extremely financially challenged then they your top priority would be the fact that you know you've got to have a grant system or some system so it may not it may not be with them but your top priority my friends even though you're not willing to admit it some of you is that you have to make money and then what about this elderly population? What five traits do you think that she should ask for equalities in order to have them work with her? Who, who would you invite into your practice? Who would you get amped up about working with? And I want you to list five of these. So for me, it would be, let's talk about the orthopedic population or my athlete. Let's talk about my athletes. They have to have the means to pay me they have to agree to my treatment plan. And sometimes, not sometimes, I typically request twice a week for the first three weeks. I understand if that doesn't work, but they at least have to get in once a week. And that is almost a hard stop for me like I, if they start gapping out, then I'm inclined to be very disinterested in working with them. And it hasn't happened yet, but I start with that languaging in the very beginning. Another thing that they might need is the willingness to make lifestyle changes. So in other words, if I tell them that they cannot climb hills because their calf is, they have a calf injury. If I tell them they can't climb hills on their bike, then they can't climb hills on their bike until the mic, until I, until until I tell them they can again. And it's up to me. It's my responsibility how to explain that so that they'll actually do what I say. I understand and I take responsibility for that. But these are hard stops. If you don't listen to me, if you don't A, have the financial means, if you do not willing to make the lifestyle changes, if you aren't willing to follow the treatment plan and don't climb hills, if you like, those are the qualities that I want. I want patients who listen. So list five of those. If you get at least, you you want to shoot for three of five. So I actually do a, a consult, a 15-minute consult prior to scheduling my patients to make sure that they are actually my dream patient. And if they are not my dream patient, then I will help them find whoever is their dream practitioner. My patients appreciate that. I know that that might scare you as well, it, take, taking that attitude, but who do you want in your practice? The, that filter will help your business grow. If you let people into your practice that are really not good patients for you or a good match for you, you're only creating resistance and stagnation, right? You're only creating your own frustration. You're not going to be lit up. You're not going to be in the groove. You're not going to be, you may be doing some good treatments, but you're not going to be the best that you could be. And that carries through. Now, if you fill your patient only with people who are the best that create this situation where you're just amped and you are the best, they're going to go talk about you. So it's quicker and easier, even if you turn people away in the beginning, it's quicker and easier to fill your practice with people that you totally enjoy working with. If you have this filter, three out of five, they have to pass three out of five on your filter. That is how you will create more abundance. That is how you will fill your time slots. That is how your financial goals will be crushed in no time at all. And that's the right kind of energy you want moving through your practice. That's your flow. So just a quick recap. First thing you're going to do is identify the people that you do not want. The patient, you're you're very much non-dream patient, the patient that frustrates you, the patient that you cringe when they reschedule and show up on your schedule, the patient that you hate treating that type of case, the patient that sucks the life force out of you when you are trying to get through your day, the reason that you are so tired at the end of the day. Then we shift into like, once you've let all of that go, we shift into like, what is it that you do want? Who energizes, inspires you? Who would you just almost be in tears, excited about standing in front of you that you get to treat? Who is that? And then list the five reasons that you love working with that patient. And then lastly, what does your filter look like? What are you willing to tolerate? What are you not willing to tolerate? Who do you want to invite to your party? You want to list the top five qualities that your patient has to have in order for you to work with them. And they have to have at least three out of those five. Okay. So now that we've covered how to find your dream patient, I'm going to tell you why. Number one, if you have a target market or if you have a dream patient, then you know where to find potential patients who are looking for what you have to offer. You know where they hang out. You can figure out what organizations they belong to. You understand if they're on social media and if they are, what what social media outlets they're actually on or are using. You understand what types of gatherings they might attend, what publications they might subscribe to, who they hang out with, where they hang out, where they go for the summer, what they do in the winter. You understand how they speak, you understand what motivates and excites them and what makes them angry or frustrated. You understand their feelings. You know how they eat ask yourself all of the questions about these people, all of the angles, everything that you can possibly think of to figure out, do they sleep? What's their life look like? What's their general day look like? You want to get to know this person as deeply as you possibly can. So you could even create like a person and then write everything that you can about that person. You really want to identify this market so that you know where to find them. Okay. Number two, If you know this target market, then you know how they communicate, you understand how they network with each other. And if you know how they communicate with each other, then you can actually, once you get them in the door, you can teach them how to talk about what you do because they're going to go tell people about you when they get better. And you want them to be able to talk about what you're doing in terms that they all understand. Of course, right? So if you're the type of practitioner that talks about chi and talks about energy and those are your clients and your patients and they tend to have meditation groups, then you're going to talk about what you do totally different than I would talk about acupuncture to a, a professional athlete. You know, am I going to talk about cheat? Well, actually, I do occasionally if I think that I can go there with my patients because I love to teach. I love to teach my patients, but only if I think they can accept it and deal with it. And if if I don't, then of course I talk to them mostly truthfully about balancing. About releasing muscle groups, about reestablishing balance and strength. I talk about proper mechanics. I talk about motor points and e stim. And I talk about the differences between, quote, dry needling. I educate on that dirty little path. I talk about all sorts of stuff with them, but it would be very different than talking to them about the emotional state of grief and the lung, right? Or like you get my point. I'm sure you get my point. So once you identify that, you can t- you can teach them how to talk to each other about what you do, and you may even be able to figure out how to do a presentation for like a group, or you know where to go to find them, and you could actually go to yoga and show up in a yoga class and. One of the things that I did as um in my practice as a massage therapist that really got me launched was ride my bike. And I would go on group rides and I would just put my my business cards in my pocket because inevitably someone in that group would say, "Oh my gosh, have you seen have you had a massage from Stacy? Holy cow, she is amazing and my race after I saw her was epic." And everybody would be like, I need your card. I need your card. I need your card. So while it sounds contrived, if you love yoga, go do yoga where your population is doing yoga. Like I said, you are your patient. And so, you know, maybe go on hikes or go, if you're a gamer, go gaming. Or, you know, if that's your group, go find them, go find them. And you'll understand how they're communicating. And once you get them communicating, you know, it's, it's like the World Wide Web. It just keeps linking and networking and growing. And that's how you'll get your personal referrals. Lastly, number three, you do eventually become the go-to expert in this population of people and they will trust you and want to come see you because that you've created a buzz and they're all communicating about you. Plus your website reflects the language and reflects the imagery and the way you speak. And all of that is something that they're comfortable with. And they will notice that you've shown up a way, in a way that directly speaks to them. I think I said this in one of the Mindset Monday episodes. I think it was creating your vision, your vision and your mission statement. And I said that when people get on their website, they're not looking for you They don't necessarily want to hear about the million years that you've spent in school and that you've done this and done that and blah, blah, blah. They want to know that you see them. They want to know that you see them. So your website should reflect your target population, your dream patient. Hey, older people, I see you. I see that your lower back hurts. I see... Oh. And my font is readable to older people. And my website is extremely simple. And clicking through it is very basic, maybe even just one scrolling page for the elderly population. And maybe, you know what I mean? So you, you, it will reflect that, That they feel understood. They will trust you and then they will tell other people like, like themselves about you. So you do become this sort of go to expert. I think I alluded to this earlier, but I was having a conversation with a new practitioner and we were talking about this specifically. And she was just trying to figure out how to get, she said, I don't know how to get out there. That was her. I said, what are you struggling with? She said, I don't know how to get out there. And I said, whoo, cool. All right. Well, let's start with who's your, who, who do you want to see? Who do you want to treat? Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I hadn't chosen. Oh, well, it's a mistake that we all make and we throw it all out there. And I went into the whole generic generic website situation and that's kind of where she was. And I was like, that's not people when they Google, when they're looking things up, when they're looking for the practitioner who's going to treat them, they actually say, you know, sports medicine, acupuncture, cycling, sports medicine, injury, lower back injury, or they may say hearing troubles in older person slash acupuncture when they Google. So you can't do that. You can't go generic. And I, I, another real quick, another thing, objection that I had about this was somebody who was moving to a rural community and they were like, I I can't just specify. And I'm thinking, yeah, actually you can, you need to tell, you know, your population is going to be country oriented people. You know, your population's a little sparse. So you need to think about those people what, what language you can use to talk to those people while you don't get to choose what necessarily you can choose a subset of what lights you up and start there for sure. But you do want to have the background of like challenges that perhaps farmers have or ranchers have back problems, et cetera. You might want to address it that way, but you can address lower back pain or find a common thing that you're excited about that those people have. But back to my back to my story about this person. Okay. So then I talked to her and I said, okay, who lights you up? Who, who did you treat in clinic? And she said, oh, these older people. And so great. So now we have this, this target market. And I said, great, you can be the specialist of that. And she was like, oh, no way. I can't be that specialist. (laughs) And I was like, wait, okay. So the word specialist just lights up our imposter syndrome left and right, doesn't it? You know, if you're going to treat eyeballs, you probably should have more training as an acupuncturist, right? So I don't think I'd go out and claim that I am like a specialist in eye issues, because you're really going to have to have really finite skills. And dermatology is a little challenging. You can start with dermatology, but of course, then you are going to want to take more classes. And I'm absolutely in favor of taking more classes, with your specificity. But starting off, you know how to treat patterns, guys. You know how to treat patterns for lower back pain in elderly populations. You know that's probably kidney shoe. But you may need to understand how to do a couple orthopedic tests so that you can rule out certain things. And that doesn't take much. You know how to figure out and find take those classes. Of course, more training might make you better, but so will experience. So most of us know how to treat the patterns just Start there. Treat the pattern. And then you might want to research the Western diagnosis and then understand the medications. She may even want to create a spreadsheet of the common medications for the material adult population. And then another thing that she could do is maybe reach out to other practitioners who treat this population. Practitioners meaning Western medical, physical therapists, occupational therapists, anybody who might work with the elderly population, at-home, in-home nurses. Take them to lunch and ask them about what they do so that you can refer to them if you find your patients need them. Another thing that you can do, go play pickleball. <laughs> Not even kidding you. Or maybe join a ukulele group, but make sure that it resonates with, with something that you want to do too. This population also tends to do things in groups and they talk quite a bit and they will totally talk about how you got them out of pain. Just be sure maybe to think about this thing, like be sure to have cards, tangible, business cards for this population because that's how they operate. They may not operate with putting things in their phone. They may still work with business cards. So you want business cards with appointment reminder times on the back. And then with regards to your office, you want to make sure that you understand their needs without them having to tell you. So say your waiting room, your chairs should have arms so that they have assistance just in standing or your doorknobs are easy to turn because a lot of them have arthritic hands and take a look at your building. Is it ADA compliant or are they going to have to go up a bunch of stairs Make sure the script on your website is large enough and is it super basic? Even understanding the nuances of aging in your office will make them feel welcome. And another thing, maybe no background noises while you're conversing. You might have a step stool and give them a hand to get up on the table, have hooks for their stuff. You might have a table warmer or heat lamps and what the heck, where there's Butterscotch Candies. You might have a sign up with a step-by-step check-in process so they understand what to do when they walk in the door. You may have to have a real human call and confirm their appointments the day before. You need to ask them how they communicate best. And if you anticipate all of these needs and you make it easy for them to come see you, you will be the go-to person. Now, for those of you freaking out and feeling like you might end up being pigeonholed or stuck in something that you're, you're sort of being forced to choose something right now when you maybe don't have a huge excitement and you're afraid you're going to get bored. If you tend to get bored anyway, I mean, are you the type of person who just gets bored? And I would encourage you to reflect on why you can't stay focused, or maybe you just didn't choose the right niche. But the truth is like, if you choose one and then you want to change, just get your practice booked with this. And then you can slowly shift because you'll have the money coming in. You'll have this alleviated, this problem alleviated and no problem. Once you have enough people coming in, then you can shift. So quick recap, three ways to find your dream patient and three reasons why you need to find your dream patient. So first of all, figure out who you don't want to work with. Second of all, think about who you do want to work with, who you get excited about. If you have the dream patient, you are so excited that person's standing in front of you. Holy cow, I can hardly believe I get to work with this person. Yeah. What, what characteristics does that person have? Figure out who that is and then determine your filtration system. What are the top five qualities that your dream patient has to have in order for you to work with them? And then shoot for at least three of those with every patient. And you can have a consultation before you treat them. And then the three reasons why you want to do this. A, first of all, if you have a target market, then you know where to find potential patients who are looking for what you have to offer. Second, you can identify how they communicate with each other. You understand their network. And then you can either teach them how to talk about you, or you can kind of like infiltrate by teaching a course or lending some education into that network. Third, You will become the go-to expert in this population and you don't have to go get a ton of training typically for whatever you choose. You know enough just by treating patterns and you will gain so much experience, knowledge that you will become that. And of course, I encourage taking classes, but don't take the class first. Just put yourself out there and do it. You have enough knowledge. You can do this. You've got this. In closing, have some fun with this. If you're a meditator, meditate on that, that vision of... You don't have to figure out what your practice looks like first. Figure out what, who your person is first and then then envision how your practice en- envelops that person and what it looks like based on that. Just based on the fact that this this new practitioner that I was talking to about treating the elderly population Her whole entire inside of her practice looks differently than mine. So once you know who you're treating, you know how to set up the inside of your practice. You know how to set up your website. You know how to find these people. You know how to market. So all of these questions, how do I get out there? Really what she was asking was, how do I get patients in my door so that I can pay myself? (laughs) Come on. Come on, right? How do I get patients in the door? How do I get People to see me. How do I get patients in the door? This is it. You see them first. You figure out what lights you up. You get excited about it. And once you know who they are, then you know where to find them. You know what type of marketing you need to do. You know what type of everything that you need to do, how to set the inside of your practice up, how to handle the operations of your practice, everything. So figure it out. Spend some time meditating on it. Only do what lights you up. Only do what lights you up and spend some time figuring out what lights you up. And it does take a little bit of time sometimes. Thanks for listening, guys. If you appreciate this podcast, I would absolutely appreciate it if you would tell other practitioners. This is a word of mouth situation for sure. You can go ahead and give me five-star reviews and leave amazing. And I love reading them just so you know, amazing reviews on Apple podcasts, but this works so much better. And I feel like we're all going to help each other so much better. If you can tell a new practitioner about this podcast, be sure and let them know because it's a free way for them to learn and reevaluate how to move forward in their practice. And that is a huge gift. So please share it with other people. The AccuSprout podcast, I would totally appreciate it. Take care. Till next time. Bye-bye. That's it. That's the end of the show. Thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate you guys. And if you appreciate this podcast, it would be amazing if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a great review. And if you don't like what I'm doing, then that's okay. No worries. Just skip it.